0: This is Women in a Day, a podcast created to give a deep look at the daily lives of women of all kinds, from sunrise to sunset, with Jenny Halzer and Portia Hensley. Hello and welcome to Women in a Day podcast. I'm Portia Hensley with Jenny Hauser. Today we have Jenna Wozni. She's originally from Colorado. She now lives in Bend, Oregon. She spends her time between her three work commitments as a Montessori teacher, a yoga teacher, and she's the music manager for the Avid Cider Company. And when she's not working at those three very demanding jobs, she's exploring the bountiful beauty of Central Oregon. She's She's hiking she's camping she's stand-up paddle boarding or she's attending live music she's always planning her next travel destination and deepening her friends and laughing and crying and smiling all the way through it She was just telling us that she actually cries every day, not out of sadness, usually sometimes, because it's kind of cathartic and she feels her emotions in her heart chakra. So just a disclaimer, Jenny and I know Jenna from high school. She was also a journalism nerd, but we are really excited to have her on our show because she has taken a really interesting path in her life and we're gonna learn more about it.
1: Welcome, Jenna.
2: Thank you. I am happy to be here.
1: It's so exciting to have you with us because you've been on our list ever since we had the idea for the podcast because Portia and I both love living vicariously through you and all the adventures that you go on. When you're not teaching, working, which is a lot, you are always headed somewhere really amazing and having so much fun. And so it's really exciting to get to see that.
2: Oh, thank you. I know it it is. A lot of people tell me that Um, my family as well. My dad is always saying like, where are you going next time? What's happening? And it's a really fun way to live life for sure. So where are you right now? I'm actually in western New York in a place called Chautauqua um, up in western New York it's a beautiful lakeside place full of lectures and symphony and orchestra and ballet and opera and I'm lucky enough I get to come here with my family. Since this
1: is Women in a Day what is a day like when you fit all three of your jobs into one day what does that typically look like for you?
2: Um, Well, during the school year, I don't typically work all three in one day. The other day, actually, I did work all three in one day. I woke up. I taught the 6 a.m. Hour of Power yoga class. And then I went to school. We do have a summer session. Most Montessori schools have summer sessions. We just believe that children learn year-round. And it's a little bit more relaxed, but I went to school from about 7.15 to about 11.30 and helped with summer camp. And then I went and taught the noon power of power class, and then I spent the afternoon working um, at Avid Cider Company, which is a local hard cider company in Bend, Oregon, not only in the tap room, giving people tasters and things, but I also was working on booking up um, an upcoming event that we have, so working with band managers and securing contracts and things like that, and then I went and taught one more final class at the yoga studio, it was a, this was a very packed day. But then I had to end the day because there was free live music. And so I had to go hear some live music that night. (laughs) Wow. That's not a a typical day, but it has been a lot this summer. Very similar days like that. That's
1: a lot of power hours.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Very powerful.
0: (laughs) Jenna, that's amazing. So not only were you doing all these amazing things, but you're doing them in Bend, Oregon, which I've heard you describe as like college for 30 and 40 year olds.
2: <laughs> Pretty much it's what the whole place feels like. Well people joke it's like where young people go to retire. and but people work really hard. It's a very entrepreneurial driven place to live, lots of young families, making it work with small businesses. And it's just beautiful backdrop. Where there's lakes and rivers and mountains. And it's, well, actually, I shouldn't, I shouldn't talk about it. Don't tell anybody.
1: Oh, right. It's a secret. I think the word is getting out. <laughs> and breweries. I think and you can blame Instagram for that. two
2: breweries for 90,000 people. It's, yeah, it's. Oh, my gosh. Uh, it's lovely. It's really lovely. And I get to do all of that there.
0: Yeah. So you're living this kind of dream life. For me, it sounds like a dream. How did you set yourself up for that kind of life? Because I think there are a lot of people who who sit at home and dream about it and watch TV and go to their accounting jobs. No offense to accounting people, but they go sit at the desk. (laughs) And, I mean, they dream about your life and stalk you on Instagram and Facebook. But how did you get there?
2: Well, the Montessori... Teacher aspect. I was a Montessori child, so that's always sort of been in the back of my mind. And I've always worked with children, and babysitting and nannying all through college. Every job I've had involved children, so that was just sort of a natural um, progression, I think. After being a ski bum in Vale for five years, I decided to go back to just school. Just rub it
0: in, Jenna. Rub it in. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I did go to. I did go decide to go to grad school, and I got my master's in education and my Montessori training in 10 months. Just plowed through that and I taught for a year in Portland. And then I got a job opportunity in Bend, Oregon, opening a new classroom at a very established school that has a very good reputation. So it was just, it seemed to make sense for me at the time. And I had always been a yoga practitioner, probably since my early twenties. And I joke often that taking a yoga teacher training had been in my five-year plan for about 12 years, so <laughs> I finally got the opportunity. I had a very serendipitous moment happen when I first moved to Bend, and the way things unfolded, and this yoga studio that I had heard about ended up being two blocks from the house I moved into, and it ended up being just my saving grace. Is my church. I ended up doing my training there, have taught there for three years, among other places as well, so that just sort of again was it because i moved to bend in sort of a oh heartbroken state it was the place where i healed the most and it just resonated that i turn that around and inspire other people both of those jobs um, are wonderful but they don't make any money (laughs) and so i've always worked also in restaurants as a bartender or a server i started as a hostess when i was 19 years old And it's always just been a really fun outlet socially. It's fast paced. And I was actually in a parent teacher conference the first year I was teaching and the owners of the local cider company, I I had their child in my class and they said, "You know, we know that you're a certified wine sommelier and we know that you've done this. Would you like to work for us? And so that was just a no brainer. And so I started working for them three years ago, just slinging drinks, they employ part-time teachers, because they used to be teachers, so there's 11 part-time teachers that work there. That's at one At one time thinking. or another. Yeah, and um, and then I just kind of forayed into booking the music for them, for all the events and um, our summer concert series, because it's something I really love to do, and I feel like I've done a really good job with it. So I kind of get to roll all those things together, and it's always been a progression I think for all three things, has been something that have been part of my life forever. And it just is nice that I get to manifest them into my adult life now.
0: And what do you do when you're not working? How do you play? Um,
2: Well, I try and do my own yoga practice. I spend a lot of time on water in the summertime, if possible. It's been really hot in Bend, so I jump in the river at least once a day, if not twice. There's the river that runs right through the center of Bend stand up paddle boarding or hiking camping I love skiing in the winter time or snowshoeing cross-country skiing I'm a big movie buff so I'll go to the movies anytime I can if I just need some downtime and then other times I just am so wiped out at that I just kind of retreat home and I live in a lovely situation with two other amazing housemates and we're like sort of a little family and we kind of support each other. And then when it's time for me to just be quiet, I just close with my bedroom door and it's just my time to meditate or read or Netflix.
0: Jenny, am I green? Because I have a lot of envy right now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think you might be getting a new house mate. <laughs> I'm gonna come live with you, Jenna. <laughs> One of the, the many things that I appreciate about you is that you're also very honest about the realities um, that especially teachers face. And why mm-hmm. being a teacher is so challenging. So you, how long have you been teaching now? Um, I just finished my fifth year. So what are some of the challenges that you've seen that are especially difficult?
2: Well, you know, on one hand, I feel sort of lucky in the sense that I, I, I'm i not in the whole realm of having to teach to standardized testing or things like that, because I am a Montessori teacher and I work at a private school. Um, and so I have total autonomy. In my classroom, my director completely trusts me. She's an amazing woman who trusts me and I trust her. That said though, working at a private school is much more challenging because we're very small. I don't have any benefits whatsoever, no health insurance. And it can be very demanding. I mean, I'm essentially helping to raise 23 young humans and balancing that with all the family dynamics and anything that might be going on psychologically with the children or just in general, just as a normal as developmental things, it's a lot to manage for sure. And especially when we can't take the children outside, if it's been snowing or raining and the energy is just, it's a lot of always output. It's, it's all of my jobs are major output of energy. Right. And so I think if I'm not taking care of myself, that's one big challenge that I face. I would also say that communication can be the major breakdown. And, you know, working with humans, communication is key. And sometimes it breaks down on my end or the, my director's end or a parent's end. And it can cause a lot of confusion, especially with young children. It's not like I go to a job and paperwork piles up or phone calls aren't returned. It's These are real living humans that are seeing the world as new every day and trying to be present for them is not always... Accessible 100% of the time.
0: Jenna, let's talk about how you got to where you are and what you had to sacrifice because one of the reasons that I, I'm feeling envious and maybe I'm assuming Jenny is too is because we couldn't do all those things with kids and it's mm-hmm. just not possible. You mentioned that you had some heartbreak before you came to Bend. Can you talk about that and what, you've had to sacrifice to have like the life that you have.
2: For sure. I I think everyone in their life has fallen in love and fallen out of love at some time, but I fell deeply in love and moved with my, my ex beau from Vail, Colorado to Portland, Oregon. To we moved together, not knowing anyone in Oregon um, for me to go to grad school and created a life there. We lived in Vail for about two years and then Portland for about six years and got engaged in that time, and I was busy planning our wedding and during grad school in my first year of teaching, and then things really started to crumble. My professional life was not going well at the school where I was teaching. He was very distant and just not available physically, emotionally, and things weren't starting to really make sense, and it, it really crumbled, and he ended up Marrying another woman within four months of us ending everything, and it had been going on for a little bit, and it's really devastating to know that someone that I loved and saw my entire life <laughs> to be with this person for the rest of my life was just no longer there, and the person I thought we were going to create a family together decided that that wasn't it anymore, and so.
0: How old were you when all this happened? Um,
2: reconcile that I was thirty three, 34, oh my gosh, no, how old was I, 34, I think, Um, no, 30, yeah, 35, actually, so that was like, ugh, like a dagger to the heart, I have wanted to be a mother since I was 11 years old, so the first time I held a baby, when I got to babysit the neighborhood kids, and when this all crashed down at 35 years old, it was like a really big deal, it still is, Um, it still makes me very emotional. To think about that. So within three weeks, I lost my fiance, my job, and my house in Portland. Uh, our plan was to move to Bend, Oregon anyway because it was much more sunny, much more like Colorado, skiing and hiking, things like that, things that we love to do together. And I got a job offer. Um, actually, Portia was with me on that road trip that I had my interview with my boss, uh, my current boss. And um, I accepted the job. I just decided decided my our my entire life in Portland had him, him and I. So there were just memories of us everywhere. It's still hard for me to go to Portland. I feel like sometimes I'm there's a ghost sort of following me around. So it made sense for me to move to Bend. you um, know, I got a job offer in San Diego and I got a job offer in the US Virgin Islands. I knew that I needed to be close to the mountains and close to my family.
0: How many years ago was that?
2: I just celebrated my four year anniversary of moving to Bend yesterday.
0: Wow. So, have you met somebody else since?
2: I've met a few people.
0: <laughs> oh, man. I've met a few people. I, <laughs> I even I, bought you a subscription to Match.com at did, one point. You
2: did. <laughs> I, um, I, I stopped counting, but I was keeping track. I've been on like 57 first dates. Oh, my gosh. To Bend. And I've gotten really good at the formula of what it is to go out with somebody for the first time. The rules Tell us. Do not,
0: tell us. Because <laughs> we haven't done that in a long time.
2: Okay. Don't commit to a meal. That is rule number one. Because. That makes sense. Get, yeah. You get a vibe within the first like 10 or 15 minutes whether or not you want to spend some more time with this person. You know, it, it, to asking really open questions. Because it's, you know, it's not worth wasting anyone's time if it's not something where, you know, some certain things don't seem to make sense. What do you ask? Um, I ask, you know, what their intentions are. I mean, are you dating or do you want to be dating? I don't ask this like straight out of the, <laughs> the park. Like I, I kind of ease into it. And if it doesn't feel right, then I don't do it. I can kind of get a vibe for somebody. I went on a date recently with a man who I began to realize within the first 10 minutes was never going to love anybody more than he loved Jesus, which is oh. no problem. Like I totally celebrate for that for him. And I ended up getting a second beer because I wanted to learn so much about him and what that life was like, because it's so foreign to me. And it was an amazing experience. And actually, we, we were still friends to this day. He's a teacher in town. Well, <laughs> only you would. <laughs> <laughs> but it was so powerful. Um, but Are you just funding his crazy. mission trip? Like what? <laughs> yeah. And I have, I did have, um, I've had a couple of boyfriends. And, you know, I think dating at this point in life, is a little bit more complicated. I was in a really serious relationship with a man that ended in January who had a child and falling in love with two people is even harder when you break up. And I really miss both of them and he just wasn't ready, you know, he just came out of a divorce himself and it it's it is it is very interesting to see at this time in life what it is like dating because in my 20s and even early 30 like i guess i wasn't dating my early 30s but it's like people are more carefree and and open and it's easy but there's more complications there's more people have history and
0: right most yeah. you're not going to find too many guys who haven't already been married right
2: so yes absolutely and a do lot you, who
1: have
0: kids
2: yes
1: do you find though that having that conversation that with the majority of your dates that you go on that they have that expectation to of and wanting to know that from you. you know, where are you in your life? What are your intentions?
2: I would say yes overall, but I would also depend on the app in which I met the person. <laughs> <laughs> <I bet. laughs> if, it, if it's a Tinder date, they oftentimes really don't they're not there for that. you know bottom line, like they're the the men that I end up meeting in Bend on Tinder, aren't really there for a relationship which is interesting because it's the most used app you know yeah but
0: But i thought that was pretty common everywhere yeah i guess for the sexy time
2: um for some sexy time i know
0: what's your favorite Um, app
2: mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I like the Bumble one, but I, I vacillate with all of them. I go through phases where I was like, okay, I'm on like four different apps and I'm like checking in, but it feels like another job. It feels like, you know, you have to keep up with it in conversations that are sort of mundane sometimes or not entertaining. And then I will get so frustrated and then I delete all of them for like three months. I'm like, this is, I know, I, need, I want something more organic. I'm out in the community. I'm talking to people all the time. Have
0: you Have you dated anyone like that?
2: Yeah, for sure. I, <laughs> I've met quite a few people that way, actually. And neither way is perfect, and I don't think it's supposed to be perfect. It's supposed to be weird and bumpy and sort of, you know, unruffly. And I'd say that um, maybe my expectations are just, they're at a point where I, I won't bend on certain things. I won't bend on that I want to have a family. Um, you know, I won't bend that I want to continue to travel. I, I want to be committed to a lot of different things and not just spend every single day, every single night with this person. I mean, eventually to that point, but early on in the relationship, um, there needs to be a little bit of space for both of us to grow into each other.
0: Totally. What, what's been the biggest thing that you've had to move on from in terms of, Your standards? Like, is there a theme of what guys want or don't want?
2: The number one thing that is hardest is the children aspect because either there's the men that I'm dating who have already had children or are in the midst of raising them or have already raised them um, and don't completely understand. Sometimes, you know, I vacillate between um, what it is to be a stepmother. And I remember talking about this, I was lamenting over the fact that oh, all these men already have children. And I I don't know if I want to be a stepmother right out of the gate. And I was saying this to my stepmother, who I love and adore. And she said, well, Jen, if that was true for me, I would have never met you. And that just, of course, made me cry. <laughs> and so I've become much more open to that, which is why I think I dated the man that I dated for as long as intense as I did. We had a really exceptional time together which was also challenging because he wasn't fully committed so I think that's is 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 um wading my way through other people's baggage and then bringing mine along too and seeing where we can kind of like put some of the baggage and what we want to like tuck away what we want to talk about and I think for sure it's the it's the family aspect that is hardest for most men.
1: And I think that would just be so hard. You know, you're a teacher. You spend your whole life around young children. Yes. So to have to reconcile what you think your mothering would be like with what someone has already got going on, I think that would be really challenging.
0: I'll tell you, it is hard to be a stepmother. Yeah, Portia, you can it speak to that. It is hard, like one of the hardest things there is. Not, is. I'm not yeah. trying to tell you not to do it. It's yeah. good. It's rewarding. But it is a yeah. challenge. Would you have a... Child without a partner?
2: I've been asked this question a lot, and my answer is no. I was raised by a single mom. I mean, well, my parents divorced when I was about eight years old, and my dad was definitely around, but it was essentially my mom on her own, and um, it sucked. <laughs> Downright sucked. It, she, and I know I'm not, I would not be the same mother as my mother. I mean, she was an alcoholic my whole life. Um, And it was not an easy childhood. And I know I would not be that, but it's something that I really want to do with somebody. I see how hard it is day in and day out. That's one of my most favorite parts of my job, is I watch these very young families trying to make it work. You know, parents juggling, who's dropping off the kids, who's picking up the kids. And um, you know, and they they balance professional careers with having a very active family life. This is very true for families in Bend, Oregon and I'm sure lots of other places and I see the two of them having trouble with even just one child let alone two or three and as much as I want it I don't want to do it by myself I think that is so
1: smart for you to have that outlook, because I know, you know, growing up, you and I had some similar things in our childhoods. And I think that's one thing that nobody tells you about being a parent is that, like, you get this incredible opportunity almost for a do-over. Even though there are times that you're like, I swore I would never do that or never say that, and you find yourself doing and saying those things, mm-hmm. you do get this opportunity to heal things from your childhood, or you get a new perspective on why things were the way they were. And it's, it's incredibly therapeutic. And it's just, it really is. It's a, it's, it's a huge, huge gift.
2: I agree. And I, you know, even sometimes they're not my children, but the children at my school are my babies. And I, I, Often when I get a little frustrated, I say something, you know, this thing where you hear your dad or your mom come out through your voice. Like, oh. it's, it freaks me out. Um, and it's also really wonderful to be a part of all these families where I do feel like I'm the auntie. I, the wonderful thing about Montessori Primary is that I get the children ideally at three years old, and then I have them for three years, for three, four, and five Year olds. And I've had quite a few families that I've had this so far. And one of my families just last year, actually, I remember going over their house for dinner near the end of the school year. And the mom turned to Aiden, the little boy, and said, You know, Aiden, Jenna's not your teacher anymore. She's now just your auntie. And he just flipped out. And I mean, I see him all the time. We just do family activities all the time. I've actually, I'm the godparent to two of the children that I've had for um, a a couple or three years in each of my classes at different times. Yeah, that they've asked me to be the person to um, care for their child if anything were to happen. And so that's, to know that I have that sort of trust from other people, To know, that I could do it if I needed to. And then I I love the aspect of it that it takes a village. It really does. I mean, there's a lot of families are so insular, but I think that they, especially in my classroom, was starting to realize that like, it, it's not like we do one thing in the classroom and then they, it stops and then you do something different in the house. Like we do this together. We're raising your child together. Right. And I think that the parents really appreciate that. And then I get my motherly kind of like, uh, fixed, you know, daily. I get all the snuggles and hugs and, and laughter. Um, but I I do still wish that for myself (laughs) I'm like we need
1: to get you on Raya girl like (laughs) what's Raya it's the have you heard of it Jenna no, it's like the super elite. It's for the you know the world's most interesting people. But it's like where celebrities go. But now they've opened it up to just interesting for people. For dating? Yeah. Do you have to get
0: invited? You have
1: wow. to get invited, and there's a panel. I just read some article oh about it in Vanity Fair or something. But there's actually it's
2: a... my next interview, Jen. It's it like... is
1: no, there's like a <laughs> panel that. Decides, but it's all about how many people you already know that are on it. But it's supposed to be, you know, people who like a lot of the same. It's for creatives and for wow. interesting people.
0: Jenna, you could oh, list it. this podcast interview on
1: your resume. I know for this Raya.
2: Let's start a little <laughs> petition. <laughs> I love it. All the listeners out there, decide it. <laughs> that's right. How yeah, about? That's funny too because I've gotten to the point where um, there's at least. One or two moms in each class I have each year who makes it their personal mission to set me up with somebody in their personal life. That's I was
1: exactly I was going to that. That. ask
2: too. Does that bug the hell out of it? Like, does yeah. that? No,
1: no. That seems like a good uh, yeah. idea, though.
2: It really isn't. Even like my my sister in love, um, just yesterday was like, "Oh, we know a friend and Ben. Can I set you up?" I said, "Sure," because I've uh, got, <laughs> I've gotten to the point where it's. Even if there's not a romantic connection or just a soul-like connection, I always get to learn something cool about somebody else. It's like, it's me to go know the people in my community and, <laughs> the, and that's really what it is. It's like the, I share road space with these people in the grocery stores and- Yeah, do
1: you see them a lot? Because it's kind yeah. of small. Yeah. Have you gone on dates with someone who's a friend of somebody else? Is there crossover there in such a small place?
2: Yes. Um, yes, for sure. There's, Any awkward stories? Um, both ways. I remember one <laughs> one night. I had I'd gone out with this one guy a few times, and he just ended up being sort of like just not. Something was just sort of off, and I, you know, I just kind of ended it. And I was out one night, and I ran into my friend Kelly, who's a really good friend of mine. And so, what are you doing? She's like, Oh, I'm here on a date. And I was like, Oh, mm-hmm. who is it? And I saw this guy that I had been dating. He was also at this place. I said, oh, who is it? And she said, oh, his name. And oh, it's that guy right over there. (laughs) I know him. Do you want me to introduce you? So (laughs) I just took her hand and I walked right over and I said, this is my good friend Kelly. (laughs) And he was sort of like, oh, okay. This is awkward. Yeah. And, but we just laughed through it and smiled through it and it wasn't awkward anymore.
1: Do you find that when you do start dating someone because people love you so much, do they do it? Does everyone hound you and harass you and... <laughs>
2: um, you know, it doesn't really happen that way. Because
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know when we came to Bend, so we came to Bend and that's when I had a yeah. newborn so, uh-huh. you know, three kids, and we have this, this little newborn. And you came and met us for dinner, and you had this guy with you. Oh, yeah. And just watching the two of you with a baby, we left, and my husband was like, she'll be pregnant yeah. within three. like And then, it, you know, and I was like, no, they broke up. And he was crushed. He was just like, what? Yeah. Like, no, I'm usually spot on about <laughs> these things. And I know we were both just like shit like what
2: you know we just well I will share with you something that's really I have found rather interesting and I'm not exactly sure what to make of it but everyone who knows about it finds it also very interesting but all of the very serious or even not even very serious but just long-term relationships I've ever had in my life the very next person the man meets they marry and have a child
0: What? How many of these have been?
2: It has happened nine times.
0: No. Nine
2: times?
0: What do you think?
2: What's that about?
0: (laughs) What? You're a heart opener. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were going to say, like, they're all Pisces or Aries or something.
2: Where I give you names, not on air, but... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, just found out about one um, about a month ago oh and God. I had been with this man for nine months and bend, and he met her about two weeks after me, and now they're getting married like next week, I think. <laughs> and you, then you'll have their kids in your class.
1: <laughs> right. In your
2: class, like
1: wow. what the hell, Jenna? That's
0: so interesting. I'm trying to rack my brain on why that would be.
2: I know, I know. I've I've done it too, and and um, I was calling it a curse for a while, but then actually, it's like I don't know what it is, but um. They end up finding love. You teach so. them. Yeah, maybe. You maybe, are. You're maybe, a heart, you are maybe a heart You're meant to be the teacher of life. <laughs> so,
1: tell us about your housemates. That's something that I think for me, you know, as we get older, like you like having your own space, and you are obviously a very extroverted person and you really thrive on being around others. But what is it like to have multiple housemates?
2: Well, I'm definitely middle. an introverted extrovert um, yeah. when it's, I am definitely out and out, lots of energy out. And then when it's time for me to shut the hell up, I shut the hell up <laughs> and yeah. I just, like, do not talk to me. It's actually rather amazing. I moved to Bend, didn't know anybody. And then I heard about a friend of mine who I was in grad school with, was also moving there with her husband and I loved her and met him a few times. And I just said, Hey, I know that you had a roommate in Portland with somebody else. Would you consider living together? So they were a total yes. The three of us moved in together, had a fantastic first summer and fall and winter. And then we had another housemate moved in. And so it was the four of us in this cute little hundred year old mill house. And then dynamics started to shift. Jesse, the other roommate, moved out and another roommate moved in. And this was a Craigslist find. And it was not a good choice, and but things started to get really rocky. And my one really good friend from grad school decided she didn't want to be married anymore, and basically had a just got a divorce with my other roommate and left. And so this was in the middle of the school year. I, it took a lot for me to move to just to get myself to Bend and in this amazing house that I love. It's my most favorite bedroom ever, and. I just, I, I said, I can't move. I she didn't know where she was moving to, back back to Canada or to Budapest or Portland. And um, so I stayed and ended up kicking out the other really weird roommate. And then we got a third roommate off of Craigslist. And then it ended up being me and these two gentlemen. It's been so lovely. Like the three of us lived together for almost two years and they're just like my brothers. So um you, you date
1: with- them? No. No, <laughs> no. No. Okay, just checking. Yeah. So you so lived gets- with the hus- the ex-husband
2: of the yeah, friend. Yeah. Okay. And we're just like we're just rock solid and um, ever since then so my dear friend Forrest had to move out. He he was the one we found on Craigslist cuz his girlfriend finally got to move to Bend and she's also like family and then we just had a, another recent roommate move in in July, another Craigslist find and Again, we just struck gold. Um, so now, like Forrest and Madeline, and then me and Nate and Allie, we're just like this cute little family who just support each other and laugh. And we often spend a lot of our social time together. And sometimes that social time is just standing in the kitchen and cooking or just laughing or having wine together. It's really great. You know, I, was in the, I was in the hospital last year and I don't have any family. At all in Oregon, and they were just there for me, and so it's it's like a a really cool chosen family, which is important because the house is so small that there is no way I could live with somebody. <laughs> that right. I could live along with, and it you know I, sometimes I look at it I was like oh my gosh I am going to be that forty year old woman still living with roommates, but it's it works it's it it's awesome actually.
0: One of the drawbacks of having jobs that you have, cool jobs, fun jobs, is that they don't pay a ton. And you said before, you don't have any benefits. So what, do you, what are your plans for retirement financially? I think that would be one thing I'd be worried about.
2: Yes, yeah, so it's something I think about a lot. Um, and I've opened up some private things, for sure. It's really hard to put stuff into it, too, because I'm also the person... <laughs> or I'd rather be living my life out big now and being frugal doesn't work in that regard with the income I have. And so mm-hmm. I put away a little bit here and there and I I've think thinking about making a shift actually to working full time for the cider company because they would offer benefits in a different capacity because they would have things like matching 401ks and things like that. I would know I would miss the children immensely. Um, and so I haven't totally decided on that or reconciled that. And I, I don't know, I, I, think about it a lot. And even when certain things come up, I'm in New York right now and I would really love to make it over to Boston to see a good friend of mine who's really sick. And I can't even make that happen. It's that like budgeting out, you know, I don't get paid in the summer as a teacher it's it's really hustling and I pick up babysitting jobs as much as I can so I have this very scary amount in my savings account and my retirement account but I have lived recently of just it's just going to be okay it's just going to be okay and I will work I will keep working I'll work as hard as I possibly can to keep saving and saving saving and keep living and living and living and I don't know. I just can't, I can't spend my time worrying about that. I worried about, I've worried about money for so long that I just, I choose not to.
1: I like that. Yes. I think that's very smart.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I know it'd be different if I, you know, if I had other people to support, but if it's just me, you know, I, I always make it work with benefits, you know, for myself, like I took a trip to Europe. I'm still catching up from that, but it was a chance in a lifetime. My youngest sister completed the same study abroad program I did 18 years ago, and so I had to go meet her. It was just like not an option. How did you pay for that? Um, lots of different ways. You know, I bought, I bought the tickets really frugally and segmented, you know, I had tons of research on the internet. So I would like go babysit one night, and I'd come home and buy a plane ticket, and I'd go I'd go work a job and earn some tips, and I'd come home and make buy another plane ticket. So it's always like, it's the money wow. that I have not set aside for like my already my budget that I get from my paychecks or my salaries. Like that goes towards my bills my rent my savings those sorts of things but if i want to take a trip or want to go on an adventure i just create more opportunities to make money i will babysit four nights in a week if i have to after school in God. order to make a trip happen six months down the road wow but, and that's what i did like I'm, I'm i'm going on to a music festival in august a five-day camping music festival that i started um babysitting for in February.
1: (laughs) Wow. I love that. And I think it makes you really appreciate that you get to do those things. Yeah, 100%. So what would you say to someone? Because I think your situation, it is unique, but it's not in that there are people who are in their 40s, 50s, 60s who are having to completely start their life over. Um, But for many regards, so what And to me, I think you're kind of the guru of that. So what would you say to those people is the best thing they can do for themselves as far as self-care goes? Like, what, what would you say if you met someone who was kind of having to start over and go through what you've gone through or didn't know what to do?
2: Well, first I would say to really take a look back and examine what you do have going for you and what you can be grateful for, because that is something that has really helped me. Like... I just off the bat, I, I was born in this country. You know, I have a lot more opportunities just in the fact that I was born in the United States of America. You know, there's a lot to be said for that. And I have an education. So there's two things that are, I always will have going for me that I'll always have with me. And from there, um, what really helped me when I first got to Bend was to find my people, to find the tribe that I felt most loved and cared for and that I could love and care for as well. Um, like I said, the yoga studio became my version of church. You know, I'm not a religious person, I'm deeply spiritual. I found a lot of my healing um, by asking questions, having inquiry, having the curiosity to you know, ask tough questions and be with people who hold me accountable. And finding something that you love to do to balance like, you know, sometimes it does feel like a grind in the the dead of winter, in the middle of the school year, it's like, oh my gosh, (laughs) when's the next three-day weekend sort of thing? Yeah. Um, I can go. I can go to my mat. I can go. And I would also say that I would also put add on this is meditation. Meditation changed my life, has changed my life, continues to change my life. I can spend 10 minutes just quiet in the morning or in the evening I do it in my classroom every single day with the children, that we have meditation time, um, and it's astounding that they feel that too in their bodies, that it's okay to lay and be quiet, and being okay with being alone and being quiet, I think that that is the big hurdle that I think a lot of people overcome, because it's not about being lonely, it's about being alone and enjoying your own presence, your own spirit, and I've really learned to like love myself. and become friends with myself I really love myself I think that's
1: great advice
2: I think that um we can get caught up in a lot of I don't know it's somebody else's fault this happened to me you know um kind of a victim sort of thing and I definitely lived in that for a while and I operated from that and I also saw people in my life um who operate from victimhood and fault and guilt a lot. And I realized, I was like, I, I see that as a mirror almost, and I don't want that for myself. And so being able to operate from curiosity and to know that there's a difference between fault and responsibility. There's certain nice. things that happen to all of us in our lives. It's not our fault. I heard Will Smith talk about this recently. It's not our fault that you know something happened it was not my fault that i was sexually abused as a child but it's my responsibility to see how i'm going to heal through that and what i want to do how i want to apply gratitude and inquiry into my life and not operate only from fault or victimization
1: as a teacher have you had situations that you've had to navigate with kids that have been really difficult
2: oof yes <laughs> so many it's sort of concerning to me actually how many um how many young, young children are battling with such incredible anger and inner demons and um, even sickness, social blockage. It, it's, it's amazing to me to watch four-year-olds have so much rage in their body and um, <laughs> so many meetings with therapists and parents and outside help resources and things like that that the goal the hope is that we help them when they're this young that it doesn't manifest into something much bigger in their life but it 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 can be very very hard uh, especially when it's something where you they're violent towards other children or violent towards me I mean I have had many bruises on my body from being kicked and hit And this age is not in a very malicious way. They're just trying to express themselves somehow where they can't fully verbally say it or even understand what's happening inside their mind or their body, but they just know that something's not right. There's just so much fight or flight. And um, it just, it scares me. There's so much stimulus happening. You know, you can look at any child with a tablet or a screen in front of them, and you can l- literally see in their eyes and their bodies just completely zone out, shut down. Mm-hmm. And that means that there's not development happening in those moments, there's no development happening. It is, it is basically just a standstill, and it's happening more and more, and um, I just am afraid that it's turning our sweet young ones from being able to be bored and um, discover imagination, then we just have to keep them entertained and then keep them entertained and keep them busy. Um, And I just, um, that is what I find the most heartbreaking when it comes to teaching. Preach it, Mm -hmm. (laughs) we agree.
1: So for all of our teacher listeners, what do you do to make sure that you don't carry that with you and that it doesn't weigh quite so heavy on you? Because how could it not?
2: Um, I cry. I cry a lot. I cry a lot in the privacy of my own home. Um, but I often, when it's I was gonna yeah. say, there's Miss Jenna crying in the playhouse again. Children, I do cry in front of the children when their actions are causing a physical response in my body. I, I'll sit there and like let them see the tears come down my cheek, and I say, I feel so frustrated because I'm, uh, you know, I, your actions are showing me that you're not listening to my words, and I feel very frustrated. I feel very sad. And young children, they're such empathizers. They just—they yes. stops them in their tracks. You know, I have one little boy who just will go get a tissue and just bring it to me ever so gently. Oh, <laughs> what a sweetheart! I don't use it as a tool. You know, I don't ever. No, use it's it not anymore. manipulative. It's yeah, it's to let like, to humanize myself that I'm not just this person who's there to like teach them. And that's why at my school, like, there's no titles. They just call me Jenna. It's a mutual respect that is very strong, a very huge part of Montessori, that it is a mutual respect, that you have as much respect for the child as you expect them to have for you. And it's not this hierarchy that I am the adult. What I say goes, it is a, we build the room together. We build the environment together. And I know I got sort of got away from your question, but I would say that I don't often remove myself
1: what is the best advice that you've ever gotten?
2: <laughs> um, well, I have, a, I have a couple of them. Um, one for sure, when I first started teaching, I was freaking out about you know, getting my room together, the curriculum, making sure my assistants knew what they were doing, just all these little things. Just, it was, seemed so overwhelming. And I was telling this to um, a good friend of mine who's been a teacher for almost 30 years. Sweet, Gail. And she just said to me, just pick one thing. Just pick one thing and do that one thing to the best of your ability and then put it down and move on to the next thing. And then do that thing. Do that thing really well as much as you can do and then move on to the next thing. Just choose one thing at a time. And that has been huge for me, you know, like especially when I have like a to-do list, like a mental to-do list in my head right, or something. It's just like just pick the one thing. And I, I say this a lot to my, my practitioners in my yoga classes, like, okay, yogi's choice right here. If you want to, whatever standing pose you want to do right here, we're going to do one on each side, you can pick, pick the one you don't want to do, because that's where really big transformation can occur. So I try to do that with myself. It's like saving the goods for the end sort of thing. It's like getting the tasks out of the way, or sometimes just do the thing that I really want to do in that moment.
0: So Jenna, is there anything else that you would like to share?
2: Um, that I admire you two women. There's so many people to admire and get inspiration from, and that's really how it happens for me, is looking around and seeing how other people make things work and striving for that. And, and I think everyone can do something like that, looking around and seeing who's present in your life, who's afar, and what you can glean from them and their experiences. And I think it's key to look at it through that filter as opposed to
1: you know a filter of comparison. Yes. Because especially when your life is not necessarily on the trajectory that you thought it would be, it's really easy to fall into that trap. And so I think having that mindset of...
2: So easy. I work with a lot of young girls at the tap room, and they are all about comparing. And I think back, like, was I like that in my early 20s, comparing, like, her body, her life, her boyfriend. And now, I don't know, something about being around 40 is like, I don't care anymore. (laughs) Completely.
1: (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining us, Jenna. This has been so wonderful to talk to you, and it's always just nice to hear your voice. And people should go find you because just seeing your smiling face can really turn their day around. So how can people find you if they want to follow along on your adventures?
2: Um, I am on Instagram under girly Waz, g-i-r-l-y was and that's a good way to follow my adventures and teaching and all the shenanigans that happen in bend oregon all
1: right so if you want to learn more about jenna and see some stuff that didn't make it into our interview you can find us at women in a day dot com and you can also find us on instagram at women in a day podcast thank you so much to our editor tony tarbox and Hillary Blair, who helped us with our intro. And I know we say this at the end of every episode, but it really does help to rate us, leave a review on iTunes. It's shocking what a difference it makes just when people search for women-centric podcasts. And it, download it, too. Yes, and downloads. It makes a huge difference just in where we show up when people do those searches. So if you like the podcast and you want to hear more, please do so. Thank you.